Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, True Roger fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. Today we're going to talk about, of course, USC football, uh, getting back to football. Notre Dame week. We're going to talk with Dan Weber. We were out at practice the last couple of days. Before we get to that, we want to let you know you can send in your questions. Podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. You can leave us a voicemail a couple different ways. 641-715-3900, extension 816-646. Or you can go to our website, peristylepodcast.com, click on the left side of the page and leave a voicemail from your device. Of course, go to iTunes.com slash Podcast. We'd love for you to subscribe on iTunes, any of the podcast apps you like, how you want to consume the show. And of course, on iTunes, leave us a, a five-star rating. That, rating. that would be awesome. We appreciate that. We've got so many questions. I want to bring in Dan Weber, uscfootball.com, beat writer and columnist. We're not going to be able to get to them all. We've been doing a whole bunch of podcasts, but you guys keep sending questions and questions in. I think we're going to cover all the topics you guys are curious about. We'll try to get to some of them today, but really wanted to talk with Dan about uh, a lot of the, the goings-on around campus of the last couple of days. Dan, thanks for coming on the show, and how you doing? Uh, and enjoying, uh, as we say, the, you know, don't turn your back on USC football because something's going to happen and you'll miss it. Don't leave town. Don't turn your TV off. Uh, stay on Twitter and uh, just keep paying attention. There's so much going on. And I uh, wanted to thank our, our friend and sponsor, uh, Michael Moline at Michael Moline Real Estate. Um, so if you're in Southern California, you want to have any help with real estate, go to MichaelMolineRealEstate.com or you can give him a call at 310-275-4688. Uh, we got to see him at the in the Coliseum on Thursday night. We'll We'll see him again next uh, next weekend, not this weekend, next weekend uh, when Utah comes to the Coliseum. But we'll have another message from him at the end of the show. Um, but, Dan, it was uh, fun. We did our instant analysis today. It was one of my favorite instant analysis, instant analysis pieces because it really felt like all this coach talk, all this coach talk, all this stuff. And then finally there was a day to kind of talk about football again and talk about USC and Notre Dame. Yeah, it's perfect timing, I think. Uh, I just think you couldn't have had a better week, uh, you know, for this to happen. But I think the last time when it happened, Coach O had a a, a chance. Uh, it was uh, Arizona coming into the Coliseum, as I recall, on a Thursday night game. And that, that seemed like the right way to go. But I think this year is such kind of an industrial strength sort of, uh, you know, disruption, let's say, that you needed to go back to really, you know, the biggest, you know, some people think the biggest rivalry in college football history, certainly the biggest intersectional rival, rivalry in college football history, and maybe two of the, you know, top three programs in the you know, history of college football. So what better way to get you focused back on football than to have you going to Notre Dame uh, this week? It's, it's perfect. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been hard. It's, there's been a lot of distractions. Um, you know, we got to talk to Cody Kessler today and he's, you know, for, for better or worse, he's dealt with more than his fair share of, of all those kind of distractions. And, you know, I think he's, he's, he's a guy that, you know, in his mind, 
he can lead this team. He can lead some of the young players because he's been through all this before. Really, having your, having your coach fired and uh, you having an interim head coach, how many college co- co- quarterbacks say they, they've done that before? He's going to get to do it again. Yeah, been here, done that, no big deal. Uh, I was reading uh, the Notre Dame board, uh, scout board, and uh, ours illustrated today, <clears throat> and you can tell – for the normal football fan, and you know, on this way, to, you know, the, the average Notre Dame fan, they just can't comprehend that there's even a chance that USC could get through this week unscathed, or that could be prepared for this game, or could have any sort of focus on football, you know, by the end of the week. Uh, and you know, we'll see how that turns out. But uh, but I do, you know, think if you're outside somewhere, this looks so disruptive. You haven't got a chance to go through it. And as you said, that's the good news. Bad news is you have a quarterback who's done this uh, way too many times, uh, you know, for uh, way too many times more than he should have to do it. But when it comes up again, he's been there and done that. And so, you know, that's the, the that's the, like the ultimate good news, bad news story. You know, you really don't ever want to do this, but if you do, you want your fifth year senior quarterback to have been somebody who says to the rest of them, Hey, no big deal. We can get through this. We, uh, we got through it pretty well last time and uh, we can do it again. Yeah. Um, it's going to be really interesting. I, I did my PAC 12 podcast, uh, on Wednesday as well. I don't know. I mean, we're people asking predictions. I just don't know what to what to make of it or what to happen. I mean, I kind of get the feeling that this U.S. team, USC team, is going to go out and play pretty well. But there's so many factors, Dan. You know that there's just any little thing that could kind of go wrong. It could start spiraling out of control. And you know, maybe they do make a run with Clay Helton, but asking them to do it like kind of a short week, essentially, because of the the firing and all that kind of stuff. With him and the first game, you have to go to Notre Dame. I could see them playing well, but I could see it being a thing where this might not be the ideal game where you kind of start off with on the road with the new coach. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is do they have, you know, exactly the right schemes for everything they're doing? Are they using their personnel exactly properly? I mean, it's obvious in the the two losses, the Stanford loss and the, uh, excuse me, uh, the uh, Washington loss that they basically weren't doing the right things and Stanford was and Washington was. And do you get that righted, you know, quickly enough? Do you get, you know, or, if, you know, you've got a, uh, an offensive guy, Clay Elton, who's spending a lot of time with the defense this week. There's no question about that. But, you know, how much time, how much, you know, tuning, fine tuning, how much has to be done to get them to the place where they're using their players uh, in the most, uh, you know, just most appropriate way for, for their talents. And I think we're still, you know, not sure, especially when we look at the defense, although, as Clay said today, if he had to do it over again, you know, he'd run the ball more against Washington. And, you know, they're really working on the run game uh, for this week. But, uh, uh you know, there's a lot of that, you know, where you're just not sure, even if they go out and play their guts out, and even if they just, you know, aren't intimidated by anything and they're just fearless and, you know, love the opportunity, are they doing the right things? And, you know, do they know how to do them? 
Um, I don't think we know the answer to that, having seen what happened against Stanford and Washington. Well, you know, one of the knocks against Clay Helton, you know, he's a popular guy. I think people loved his press conference that we went to on Tuesday. Um, you know, you know, when he spoke, uh, you know, spoke to the team, spoke after the team, you know, I think people really enjoyed that. The fans enjoyed it, but there's definitely detractors out there, especially the way the offense played against Washington. And they think, Hey, he called the plays. I don't really like that. Why is he taking over the team? This is our first voicemail question, Dan. I'll, I'll play it for you and then let's you get your reaction. Good day. This is Phil in Virginia. Uh, I would like to know if Coach Helton was responsible for calling the plays in the last series of the Washington game. Uh, we got back into the game with the run, and then in the last series we abandoned it, and it cost us the game uh, or an opportunity to win. I'd like to know if he was responsible for calling those plays. If he If he was, he's the wrong man for the job. Secondly, I would like to know your thoughts on possibly bringing Coach O back. He proved himself under very difficult situation. He was the right man for the job at the time and was overlooked. He did a terrific job under extremely difficult circumstances. Uh, it would bring integrity and credibility back to the team in USC. Just want to know your thoughts on the possibility of uh, bringing Coach O back. Uh, he's doing an outstanding job at LSU, uh, and and part of their success is based on his uh, coaching. Well, as far as uh, Coach O, I think uh, he, he made it very difficult, I think, for himself uh by not being there for the Las Vegas Bowl, no matter all the good reasons probably that went into that decision. Uh, would have loved to have seen him, you know, stay through that and really be identified as the head coach. And uh, I think they would have performed just the way they did, you know, for Clay, and it was a great opportunity for Clay. But uh, but I think it's difficult now. I think timing is everything, and, you know, and so much, you know, in sports is, is one of those things. And uh, um, I could see him coming back in certain scenarios, probably not as the head coach, but uh, uh, I just I just think the timing is is not right. I think absolutely, <clears throat> USC would have been doing the right thing and saved you know seven or eight million dollars in transition costs had they kept Coach O and that staff on, and that would have been a genius move. It was right there for them, and they missed, and you know they just you know swung and missed, and uh, and bringing Sark in, it just was really really you know, a mistake that, you know, they're going to pay for, for, for a long, long time. Um, uh, as far as, uh, Clay Helton, you know, I think, Phil, it might be a little harsh to say that whoever called the, you know, the plays on that last series, that, that means you're absolutely not the right guy for the job. I don't know. I mean, I don't think we'll ever know what the interplay is between the former play caller who was the head coach, uh, and the current play caller in terms of, you know, of how that exactly went. I mean, you know, Clay today talked about, you know, if he had to do it over again, he'd run more. Uh, and how that, you know, went down in terms of, you know, what they were, what they were seeing, what they were doing, you know, it didn't make any sense. 
and it reminded you a little bit of some of the stuff they did at times last year and where you were just scratching your head when, when he wasn't calling the plays. So, uh, so I probably wouldn't, uh, you know, I, I probably wouldn't make that, you know, he's not the right man for the job. We'll know a lot more Saturday uh, when he will be the guy for sure calling the plays with nobody looking over his shoulder and nobody saying, you know, hey, uh, I wonder if we could go with the pass now because they're they're probably going to be expecting a run or one of those, you know, crazy things that, you know, that you hear. Uh, so that's my take. Yeah, and I, I agree uh, 100% on everything you said. I, I thought Coach O would have been the right call then. Uh, ship has sailed now. Maybe some other aspect coming back, but you can't go out and hire him as the head coach now. That was a, there was a great opportunity for that to happen. It passed. That opportunity is gone. Um, I want to see, Dan, so, I mean, we had our emergency podcast Friday morning, which we thought was an emergency, <laughs> USC losing to Washington. Turns out that really wasn't an emergency compared to Steve Sarkeesian not showing up to practice, all these rumors uh, being – uh, you know, uh, put on a permanent leave or, uh, what, what was the term for leave? It was, uh, leave of absence, just, was, uh, you know, uh, indefinite, indefinite leave, leave of, of absence. absence. Yeah. yeah. And then of course, uh, out, out and out termination. Um, so we had some voicemails and stuff coming in. So there's so many topics we want to get to, but you know, really about the firing, about Pat Hayden, we want to talk about and about the next coach. So I thought I'll play some of these voicemail questions for you, and I think we'll we'll probably touch on those three subjects. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but we haven't really had to got to talk about it in the podcast yet. Um, so let's go. I'll go to this voicemail question first for you. Hello, this is for Dan. I'm Mark in Sherman Oaks, originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. Now that we have rid ourselves of Cuddy Sark, as I call him, should Clay Helton just continue running Sarkeesian's plays and coaching style? Or should he develop his own strategies? And uh, does he have the power to fire Justin Wilcox and some of the other coaches that Cuddy Sark brought in? Thanks, and fight on. Hey, Mark, good to hear from somebody uh, from Cincinnati. Uh, I, I don't know if, I ever, uh, if I'm a Cincinnati guy or a Northern Kentucky guy who went to school in Cincinnati or all that kind of thing, but uh, it's great to hear from you. Um, I, I would say he doesn't have any firing power. Uh, at this point, uh, it would have to take a lot more than, uh, you know, just saying I, I want to change the coaching staff. I think one of the issues there would be even if you wanted to do that and you, you, you know, had reason to do it, uh, I don't think you can just find people available, you know, at this point, in, you know, at this point in time. I think, uh, Ed was able to bring <clears throat> in, uh, Pete Jenkins, who was sort of a retired, you know, consultant with NFL teams and had been a long time, uh, defensive line coach, uh, that he knew from, you know, Louisiana, who was terrific. Uh, but the fact that are there any of those guys there? I mean, I, I like it that, you know, that Marcus Tuiasasopa is going to move over and take on the quarterbacks and he's a, you know, I think he's doing a great job. Uh, and that Leonard Vandermade, who's been around for so long in helping this program in a number of different ways. Will get a chance to be an absolute, you know, full-fledged assistant now with the tight ends is is probably as good a way to go, you know, as you could go, uh, you know, in 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 terms of that. In terms of the offense, I think you will see some some changes. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question about it, and I don't think we're going to go around telling people exactly what the changes we think. I mean. Uh, 
you'll be able to kind of figure out a little bit where they're going because we'll you you know we'll, we'll tell you what Helton himself has said, uh, and uh, but I don't know that even with the Notre Dame film crew there today, you, you probably don't want to be broadcasting too much. Uh, but but yeah, I think it'll it'll look at it'll look a little different, and I don't know that that Clay is is you know wedded to. <clears throat> Up tempo a little bit, but maybe not doing it exactly, you know, the way uh, the way Sark did it. And uh, I mean, I think one of the reasons because is because this team personnel probably don't fit some of the things they were trying to do on offense. So uh, uh, stay tuned, pay attention Saturday night, and see what you think. But uh, I think it's a good question, and you can't wholesale change everything because. These guys have been working, you know, for a year and a half on, uh, you know, on, on, on Sark stuff. So, but I think you have to sensibly kind of transition maybe to, you know, some things that fit their personnel, uh, with the injuries that, that they've got, the wide receivers that are injured and that kind of thing. You've got to kind of, you know, go in a direction that, um, that makes sense for everybody. But, but I think there'll be some changes. Yes. And I, you know, I don't really like hearing this stuff like the Cuddy Sarks and they, I mean, that's not really, um, necessary here. I mean, we don't know. And we're going to get into this with some of the other questions. I mean, we don't know that, you know, apparently there's some sort of substance abuse. Uh, you know, Steve Sarkeesian didn't say he had a problem. He didn't think he did or he said he, he maybe and didn't, you know, wasn't sure. Pat Hayden has never said anything like that. They've never said alcoholism. We don't know exactly what, uh, there have been different reports that he's off in a, a treatment center somewhere. And he actually tweeted out uh, on, I think, around 5 o'clock or so, Dan. I'll read what Steve yeah. Sarkeesian tweeted out. He said, I'd like to thank everyone for their huge outpouring of support and well wishes. That was one tweet. And then he said, this is a very difficult time for my family and me. I'm facing these challenges the best I can, and your support helps immensely. And his third tweet was, I wish my Trojans the best against Notre Dame. And for the remainder of the season, no one will be cheering them on more than me. Fight on. So those were his kind of three tweets. He had actually changed his profile, so it's a very generic green grass background now. His profile, is a, it's a profile pic, like from the side, like an actual profile, black and right. white, so you don't see any kind of, uh, um, you know, school affiliation, and it just says father and football coach and links to a website, Coach Sark, that doesn't really have anything populated on it right now. So it's kind of been a, probably for his agent or something, kind of a cleansing of his social media thing, and he sent that message out. Yeah, and that's interesting. I know there are people commenting that a lot of times when you're in a, you know, if you're in a, uh, you know, a place where you're, you know, being treated, that they don't really let you do the social media stuff. I'll be interested to see, you know, how that's actually happening. Because uh, usually I think once you go into one of those, um, they would like you to, or even require you to stay off social media for, you know, a certain amount of time while you're, you know, getting squared away. So that'll be interesting. I mean, uh, I think the tweets, though, show he's really an easy person to like. There's just no question about it. He was courteous, and, uh, you know, if you had one more question and two people would ask the question at the same time, Sark said, no problem, you know, we'll, you know, we'll get to both of you. And, you know, he addressed people, he'd call you by name, and, all the things that, uh, you know, he really, he did try, uh, you know, that way. And, you know, he's, uh, he's a very likable guy and a, and a guy I think, I don't think there's anybody that doesn't, you know, wish him really 
you know, the absolute best. Uh, uh, I think a lot of us were really sorry that he didn't take the opportunity after salute to Troy and that USC didn't, you know, encourage him in ways in which they probably could have at that time. I think it would have been a battle a little bit uh, to get him to acknowledge maybe where he was. But, uh, but I think that's where you needed to have that kind of firm hand. And I think it would have, you know, it would have looked terrible, I think, in his mind to give up uh, maybe the first two games of the season. He would have had a couple of weeks before the season started. And at least I'm guessing, I know everybody estimates how much time you need to spend, you know, if you're at a residential place like that. But uh, it doesn't seem like you can possibly do it in less than a month. And I know even that would have been like, oh, my gosh, that's two games. And uh, But uh, that might have been, you know, way well obviously it would have been way better than than what we've got now and you wish that would have happened and there been more of a push to just do that at the time and uh and that's only saying it not from the point of view what's best for usc football although i think that would have been but what's best for sark and uh and let's just hope that uh that this works out for him agree 100 percent there dan uh here's another voicemail question for you J.D. from D.C., question for Dan Weber. Dan, a couple of tough questions this week, but they need to be asked. For those of us who want to take Pat Hayden at face value, he needs to put to rest the real concern at this point. Even beyond his competence, his integrity and probity have necessarily been called into question. And he just can't assert it any longer and be dismissive of critics. His actions need to reflect this. I've got two major questions. Uh, one involves corn ferry in the vetting process, and the other involves alcoholism in general at Heritage Hall. If corn ferry really was deeply involved in the selection process, why not release the names of the candidates that were submitted? There's nothing private or proprietary about that list, if it exists even. Indeed, why not release the complete report? And if they were responsible for vetting Sark adequately, why isn't he pursuing a refund of their fees? Alcoholism in the Heritage Hall. Even if you as athletic director were unaware Sark had a drinking problem, as implausible as that is, now you do know, and you can no longer turn a blind eye to the enabling that invariably surrounds high-functioning alcoholics. And enablers are disproportionately alcoholics themselves. What has he done to assure the players and their families that there are no more issues with alcoholism among the remaining coaching staff, and indeed all of those who supervise Sarkeesian, and by that I mean, yes, J.K. McKay, Lopes, and indeed Pat Hayden. How can you say he's doing his job and is deeply concerned about the student-athletes if he isn't investigating this? Wow, J.D., uh, yeah, that's, those are unbelievably, that's an unbelievably good question. That, this is the second question. Is uh, uh, I was just reading. Uh, a column by Greg Hansen, who's the columnist in Tucson at the Arizona Daily Star. And he wrote a column about Sark and, you know, what had happened. And he starts off by talking about, uh, I mean, it's a column about alcoholism or drinking and, 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 and sports. And when he was a kid and driving up to Utah to see Mickey Mantle, uh, throw out the first ball at a, uh, I think a, the Mickey Mantle National national baseball tournament and he re- he remembers his dad taking him they went down to a place uh, in town in this little town in utah and he said it was two o'clock in the afternoon and there was mickey mantle and a bunch of people and he was already smashed and 
and he and, and that was a story that we all had heard about, you know, at Mickey Mantle. But then he goes to talk about a couple of more. He covered uh, Oregon State, and he talks about Craig Furtick was the coach at Oregon State, and he said every week Craig Furtick was a former USC quarterback, and every week uh, they would have a, a booster meeting at in Portland, and the question was, would Craig Furtick make it back after the luncheon for practice, and what <laughs> shape would he be in? And he ended up like 10 and 34, and at the age of 37, never coached again. And then he said when he started his career, he was covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he talks about uh, they had an unusual relationship with that paper in Tampa uh, that allowed the beat writer to fly on the plane with the team. And he um, talked about his first trip, and there are these giant coolers of beer before and after, before the uh, on the way out and on the way back. And uh, it just hit me that the coach of that team was John McKay. And you do wonder. You know, and John McKay was legendary uh, for his press conferences at Julie's and his ability to handle, you know, his his drinking. But you do wonder, and it's something I think they probably need to think about at Heritage Hall, is is there, you know, this kind of culture uh, that maybe they don't even understand, but, you know, the guy who really, you know, put USC on the map uh, you know, 50 years ago, um, is there something left from that era that they just maybe have a blind spot about? I mean, I think it's a, it's a, it's a really legitimate, you know, legitimate question. Yeah. Uh, gosh, I'm, I answered that one that so long. I'm trying to think of uh, JD's first question. That's a good question. I forgot about it too. Uh, <laughs> but, but that one is the important, I think that's the, the really important. Oh, it was corn fairy. I don't think, I think that would be, I mean, I think there are questions about how serious was the Corn Ferry uh, search. Had they already pretty much decided, uh, the committee decided on Sark, that they knew Sark. I mean, how much vetting did they need to do with somebody who had been at USC for as long as he had and was really close to the people who hired him, ultimately? Uh, uh did they know they all, they had to know they had to know a lot and it's, it's just no, no way and if you if any one of them who was in the hiring group didn't know that was they should have known and um uh and again is there a blind spot there uh i don't know but uh yeah i think the corn fairy they did they did pay a lot of money for the corn fairy yeah. search and there are people who weren't very happy about how much money they paid for. I just don't know that they could release the names. Um, uh, yeah, I don't I, think they, I don't think they absolutely could release the report. Yeah. I, I just I just think there's just there's just no way yeah. they could do that. But uh, but there is a question probably in there about the legitimacy of the corn fairy, you know, of of, of the report. Uh, did it matter or was it just saying well we did this and and covering yourself you're you know covering yourself but not really you know paying all that much attention to anything that turned up 
This is kind of goes into this next question from John in Pasadena. He said, if all the USC football beat writers knew about Sark's alcohol abuse issues, how come they did not report it before the season started? Had they done so, it would have been a public service to the benefit of all involved if this were brought out in the open, say in the last offseason or at least right after the Spirit of Troy incident. And, Dan, I wanted to kind of follow up on what, you know, one of the things that J.D. said was the word enabling. And I've gone through what Hayden had said and what Sarkeesian had said. And at no point did, did anyone say he was an alcoholic, a drug addict. We don't know. I mean, we that's the thing is that I don't think USC would be able to say either way with the HIPAA laws and all that kind of stuff going on. Steve Sarkeesian hasn't said, hey, I'm an alcoholic or I'm prescription or something. There's some We assume there's some sort of substance abuse thing going on. Um, and the enabling word is something I'd brought up to a couple people. And, and sometimes they looked at me funny, like really interesting. But I, the, the, what, what John brings up from Pasadena, just because you hear a story and we read the LA Times piece where all these bar taps and stuff were going on, that doesn't necessarily mean you're an alcoholic. I mean, that nothing in there proves that he's an alcoholic, but the word was, and what we'd heard was he likes to go out and party there. That's basically something that was known can you write a story on that oh steve Sarkisian likes to go out and party like no i mean i don't think you're doing anyone a service that's not journalism to do something like that but as far as the vetting process goes that's the one thing dan i didn't feel pat hayden was really honest about during his uh press conference that no one raised any red flags and i i'm paraphrasing what he was saying there i cannot imagine that all the people that we've talked to we haven't heard from anyone that said no i never knew steve to go out and enjoy himself and have uh, and have fun at part you know partying i think that that's something that's known and when you couple that and if you don't know you should have known like you said but you couple that with salute to troy that's where my biggest issue was you had to do something after salute to troy uh that that's really what what to me what it comes down to and when you didn't do that that's when i would use the enabling word and i know some people might not like that but it seems like if you're not helping them at that point you really are enabling. If you know that there's a real issue there, you're enabling that to go on, and you're being part of the problem instead of part of the solution. Well, and I think, you know, we knew the stories. Okay, we didn't go report them in Seattle, <clears throat> but we knew the stories. <clears throat> we had seen, I had seen some of those receipts, actually, uh, you know, well before that. Again, if you're not there and it's a party of this many, you know, it, it's not anything you could write a story about. Uh, it's, uh, it's also not something that could have possibly not been known by at least a couple of the people on the search committee yes. for SARC. Could not possibly have not been known. Whether it was even paid attention to, whether it was thought as a problem, um, I guess, well, you know, apparently not. Uh, and, and that was not a good thing. But for example, for me, once Salute to Troy happened, a public issue, you know, that involved USC football directly, it involved, you know, the players, families, uh, the fans, all of that, you know, an official, you know, function. It involved two, re, uh, you know, two teams coming back for reunions that, you know, got stood up. It involved so many things that, uh, didn't seem to change the trajectory of what was happening in Sark's life or his career, and, and USC basically passed. Uh, and I know, you know, the story was, oh, they'd been through so many disruptions, 
we got professional advice from doctors who said we could go this route. I can't even imagine uh, any doctor who knew the real story who would have said that. Uh, it just doesn't seem possible, doesn't seem plausible that, uh, that you would recommend that. I mean, it was, and, and I think the problem once that happened and then once it came, you know, that he was allowed to come back after having done up downs and you involve the players to decide what's the punishment. That was ridiculous. That was beyond the pale. There's no way those players should have had to step in and, you know, issue some sort of discipline for their head coach. But at that point, people would ask me, what's going to happen? I would say it's not if it's going to happen. It's when. And this is, you know, as crazy it is to show up at practice and realize the head coach isn't there, it was absolutely no surprise that it was happening. I mean, things were happening on road trips. Things were happening, you know, none of which you absolutely could say, oh, I can report this because I, you know, a thousand percent know it happened. But there were too many of those things that too many people who were on the inside who really knew were saying, you know, were happening. And you just kept thinking, man, somebody needs help here, and it, and they're not getting it. And uh, this shouldn't be happening. And it was just a matter of, you know, we're not probably the people to intervene here. And <clears throat> if we do, is it going to be of any effect? I mean, you had to think that if salute to Troy, what happened there didn't get things squared away, Nothing else was going yeah. to. I mean, that just wasn't going to happen. It basically had to have something like this. So, yeah, it's like if that didn't fix it, it only a complete breakdown is what we end up seeing. Um, Dan, so there's two other topics I want to talk. We'll have two voicemails left. I don't want to go too long on this. But the, the part about Pat Hayden making the hires uh, here, I think we were a little shocked yesterday when, when Max Nakia sent out that uh, you know statement. And we heard from Pat Hayden, and it sounds like, you know, 100%, he's still going to be the guy running the show. Um, but we'll, uh, let me play this voicemail for you and then get your thoughts on that. Good morning, Ryan. Coach Hyde, Dan. He just said Duncan up in the high desert. Um, I'm very sorry, and all the uh, fellows up here that watch USC football with me, we're sorry to hear about what's happened to Sark. We hope that he gets help and things turn out all right for him. The second thing I wanted to mention, uh, I thought I read an article where the president of USC said that Pat Hayden would be the one to hire the next football coach. If so, I hope that's inaccurate. I hope I read that wrong because that would be just as foolish, if not more foolish, than some of the things that we've done in the last six or seven years. Thirdly, I want to commend the recruits that are sticking with us. We want players that want to play for USC. So those that want to get up and leave, uh, best of luck to them because we want guys here that's going to give you 110%. So anyway, Trojans, let's beat Notre Dame this week and fight on Trojans. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know that, that the, uh, you know, kind of vote of confidence that, that Max put out before, you know, the press conference, I don't know that that specifically said 
he it said, I'm going to be glad to be working with Pat, and he's done a great job yeah. and all this. I don't think it don't said anything. It specifically said he's going to be hiring the next Yeah, person. I don't think uh, it did. It didn't. And I don't know that that's the case. Uh, I think Pat himself, I mean, <clears throat> if you're a Rhodes Scholar, and, you know, Pat's done a really good job at, uh, you know, at, at parlaying being the USC quarterback and the Rams quarterback and having a law degree and, and working with a venture capitalist, uh, you know, very successful venture capitalist, you know, firm and being the Notre Dame, you know, color analyst and, you know, all the things he's done. Uh, one would hope he would say, you know, I didn't get the Lane Kiffin, you know, Kiffin exit properly. He should have been gone, you know, after the Sun Bowl, if that, if he, you know, I didn't get the Kevin O'Neill thing squared away and, and that shouldn't have happened the way it did. And I sure didn't get the Sark either, either part of the Sark, the hiring or the firing, uh, or the part in between. Uh, and maybe I need to do it a little differently here. Maybe we need to do it a little differently. I put out a scenario that, you know, you wanted to, you know, get other people involved there. I know this, somebody, uh, I was talking to someone who said they listened to Paul Feinbaum today, and this is where as smart as Paul thinks he is, the, uh, uh, you know, ESPN SEC guy, uh, who said that, uh, don't blame Pat Hayden. He's not in charge at all at USC. There are two wealthy boosters who are pulling all the strings and calling all the shots. That's the silliest thing ever. Wow. They don't pay any attention to the boosters. Now, there was a, you know, board of trustees person who was really involved in the, you know, the final decision on Kiffin, but only as a board of trustees person who was worrying about uh, fundraising that didn't have anything to do with athletics, uh, for a school whose public face was this mismanagement of, of the Lane Kiffin, uh, you know, football, uh, coaching situation. But, uh, but USC hasn't been paying attention to the boosters. I mean, I'm thinking at times they probably ought to be paying attention to the boosters, you know, and in this case, maybe they, maybe they should or, or would. But, uh, uh, I think it's, going to be, you know, a process that's going to develop over, you know, the next few months, unless, for example, <clears throat> you get that one phone call from someone who says, you know, I'm really interested, and maybe you get, you know, really lucky, and do you, you know, say, you know what, maybe we don't have to go through this. This is so perfect. Uh, not sure that that could happen. I'm not sure what you would do if it does happen. Do you still go through it or, you know, how do you do that? I don't know. I think this thing is going to develop and play out uh, in its own way, but they have to be open and smart and listen to people. They can't, ha they can't, and they can't do it for the wrong reason. You can't hire the next coach because he's going to make it, you think, easy for you and your job. He won't challenge us. He won't push us too hard. He'll be, you know, pliable. We can tell him what to do and he'll do what he, and, and he won't embarrass us and all that. All those things that they probably, you know, put on Sark, uh, turned out to be exactly opposite. Yeah. You know, the things <laughs> they wanted to protect themselves, 
They wanted to be not embarrassed. They want, well, they didn't do a very good job of that. Yeah. Uh, so I think, you know, what do you want to do? You want to find the very best football coach for USC who will do all the right things and none of the wrong things. And, uh, we all, I think, know what those are. But, but you can't have anything else other than we're going to try to find the absolute very best guy we can hire for this university and for this football program. And, you know, you tell yourself, we'll know that guy when we see him, when we talk to him. But you really have to talk to people. you got to listen to them. And you can't dis- disregard, you know, what they tell you. Either they had the most flawed search in the world if they weren't told what was coming with Sark, or they didn't listen to it. One or the other. Neither one of those is a good answer. Yeah. I mean, those are both negatives from the, you know, and so for what Max said about Pat in terms of what they were talking about, which is, you know, the thing that matters most at USC, um, you know, the reason USC is able to pay the athletic director two and a half million dollars a year, uh, is the football program. You know, having, you know, beach volleyball, win a national championship and all that, that ain't going to get you, you know, an athletic director who's <laughs> able to be paid two and a half million dollars a year. So you got to do the job right for football. And when, if people don't understand how big football is, all you had to do is walk into that press conference yesterday with 14 TV cameras, uh, you know, and, and 14 TV trucks on McClintock and, you know, the kind of, uh, you know, impact that USC football has. I mean, it probably kills people to, to, to realize around the country that USC can take the top story in college football any day it wants to. Unfortunately, you know, sometimes you don't want them to be doing that. Yeah. But, uh, the impact to USC football is really a big deal. And, uh, USC has to be aware of that and they've got to get a coach who's big enough for the program. You can't just hope, you know, hope against hope. That doesn't mean you don't get a young guy. There are a couple of young guys out there that are really, really, really good. Uh, do you back away from them now because it didn't work with Lane and, and, and Sark? I don't think so. I think you just look at everybody and you try to come up with the best guy. And definitely check out, we have a, a uscfootball.com head coaching hot board. What just went up the site on Wednesday evening up on uscfootball.com for subscribers only, but it's really good. It's going to be a living, breathing document where you, we add updates to the top candidates. We'll move guys around, uh, but it's pretty good stuff. Well, all of us have kind of contributed to that. Gerard put it together, but I, I really like the way it came out, Dan. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And I think the updates part is, is great. What people were saying, uh, you know, I mean, just things like, uh, I think until we got into this process, I don't think very many people knew that, uh, you know, the hottest young coach in America is a guy named Tom Herman. I don't think <clears throat> he was the guy, the Ohio State's offensive coordinator last year who made it happen with those three quarterbacks. And, uh, you can see what's happened with Ohio State now that he's not there. Without him, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's got Houston in the top 25, first year, put together a great staff. Uh, really, uh, who knew that he was from Simi Valley? You know, his mom, you know, lives in Orange County now. He loves California and always told people he didn't think he'd ever make enough money to be able to live here. Uh, but, you know, there are guys out there like that. And, 
not to look at him. Somebody's going to get him, and he'll be really, really, really good. Uh, you know, but it just there's a there's a number of coaches, and it's you know it's not an exact science, but uh, you've got to you know limit your your negatives uh, when that happens, and uh, and they probably had enough information, uh, coaching wise and football wise, as well as uh, you know off the field. That uh, that Sark wasn't that guy, and uh, there probably wasn't any excuse that you know that he was that guy. And I do think when we talk about that, I think we tend to personalize everything, and and a lot of the you know the reviews are, wow, what a great recruiter he was. Now USC is a great recruiter. USC's history, its tradition, its guys in the NFL, its Heisman Trophy winners, its All Americans. All of those national championships, all of that recruits for USC. Uh, the way the school is right now, when you go, you know, on that campus, it's just an unbelievable place. Uh, you know, and, and you know, in Los Angeles, I mean, it's not a surprise when they say, "Oh, you know, Jim Moore's daughter goes to USC, or Bill Cowher's daughter goes to USC, or, or whatever." You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, you just expect that uh, almost now, and so. I think USC is the big attraction. You know, I don't, I wouldn't go overboard and say, oh, you got to get a great recruiter. USC, I mean, in the 90s, for example, when they had this succession of just grim coaching situations at USC, they still, I saw it, you know, when I got here, uh, they, you know, Troy Palomalu and uh, Carson Palmer were here. I'm not even sure who exactly, I guess Paul Hackett recruited. Paul Hackett, yeah. And you think, think, what the heck? You know, USC can is going to be able to recruit people. That's not exactly the problem. The, you know, the issue is who's the best guy. You know, to run. and the thing about and why it's such a big deal at USC. If you get the right guy, you get John McKay, you get Pete Carroll, you will win national championships. It's that simple. Yeah, the right coach at USC wins national championships and that's why this is a big deal well dan great stuff we really appreciate you coming on matt leinert was actually a paul hackett recruit too but he ended up signing with pete carroll of course and uh you know he stayed on when you know pete carroll came on there but yeah that's yeah it. it's amazing you I just mean, have to get did... you just have to not have a terrible recruiter like larry smith i think was a terrible recruiter and he, you know once the ted tolner talent kind of ran out but as long as you don't get a terrible recruiter you should be fine <laughs> Right, yeah, just, you know, I mean, that doesn't have to be, and that's probably where they are off the rails with, with Lane, for example, the, with the reputation. Well, I know he's got this issue or that issue. Boy, he's a good recruiter. You know, that should be pretty far down on the list. I mean, it'll take care of itself, I think, unless yeah. you're almost anti-recruiter. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it'll, it'll, that'll be fine. And I know our guys focus on that a lot, but, uh, but that wouldn't be your first focus. Uh, it'll take care of itself. All right. Well, hey, Dan, great stuff. Great show. We did a midweek show. We've done, I guess we did one, you know, a few days ago, but we'll do it. We'll keep doing them. We'll uh, talk to you. I have a great trip out to South Bend and we'll uh, talk to you after the game. Thanks very much, Ryan. Enjoyed it. All right. Thanks, Dan. And everyone else, thank you so much for listening to the Peristyle podcast. We'll talk to you next time. And here's a quick message from Michael Moline Real Estate.
Most people know that buying or selling real estate is no small undertaking. Understanding the market value of your home, pricing, advertising, closing, and perhaps even selling personal property along the way are all examples of the real estate journey. And Michael Moline Real Estate has the experience to help make that journey an enjoyable one. Southern California real estate inventories are at historic lows, so there is no better time than now to sell your residential property. Whether you're moving into a bigger home or downsizing, personal property is often a component of the real estate transaction. Michael Moline Real Estate has industry expertise to help you with both your real property and your personal property as you get ready to transition. Michael Moline Real Estate specializes in properties located on the west side of Los Angeles and the southern San Fernando Valley communities. Allow Michael Moline Real Estate to give you a free comparative market analysis and home valuation so you know how much your home is worth today. Contact Michael Moline at michaelmolinerealestate.com. That's Michael, M-O-L-I-N-E, realestate.com. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 